All right, we are back with MRA Together We Win podcast. Kerry, we have upgraded our our systems right here. JP has come out of uh, retirement. He's actually showed up for a recording. He's brought some cameras with him. He's brought some lights. I, we are we are ready to roll. I'm just just it took us two years to get beer and food delivered for one of our sessions here. It's, exactly. It's, this know? is uh you know this might go off the rails really easily. Exactly. But, uh, we're excited. This is our first in person recording of the podcast. Uh, very excited for our our first guest that we have coming up today. They've joined us in Framingham at Apple 13 Studios uh, live. And uh, we're just going to have some fun. Well, I tell you, you know, we, we got a big budget here. We were thinking about flying Dan in, but we put him on an Amtrak instead and had him hit Providence. We had to drive up. So, <laughs> not not even into Boston. I yeah. know. <laughs> it's a budget. It's a budgetary thing. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. That is uh, that is Dan Dillon from Olga's Kitchen. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining for us today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you hope to accomplish with uh, coming up to uh, Framingham today. Well, I work uh, vice president of marketing for Goose Kitchen, a Michigan-based concept, 24 sites that specialize in Mediterranean uh, fare. Started about 50 years ago, and I'm here to proselytize the quality of Olga's Kitchen and bring it into the uh, Massachusetts market. Uh, we run host ghost kitchens, uh, the most signature products that we serve in our restaurants are available for operators to run out of their restaurants, easy to execute, high-quality products, and uh, let's make some more money for our restaurants. That's what we're all trying to do. And, you know, one way that restaurants are always trying to make money is, is sell more beer. And we are joined today by John Patton from Widowmaker Brewery. Yeah, thank you very much. John, um, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Widowmaker. Um, well, I, I've been in the in this business for about nine years. Uh, got in with uh, distribution uh, and then worked my way through uh, through the brewing industry and between breweries, uh, alcohol, uh, non-alcoholic, uh, back to breweries. And, uh, you know, Widowmaker, we specialize in New England IPA. We've been around for six years and... Uh, we run a hell of a ship, I guess. Yeah. So I think one of the coolest things about what we get to do is we get to be on the cutting edge of the things that are happening out there that help promote restaurant tours and what they're doing in, in their business, right? And Ghost Kitchens, I mean, probably been around for about five years now. Even pre-pandemic, they were they were hitting. And I think that, uh, and you'll get into this, I'm sure, Dan, but uh, how it can help add another revenue stream to what you've already got going on without adding equipment costs or, uh, or, or labor costs and breweries. I mean, craft breweries, I mean, uh, Sam Adams was in our back pocket. I think he, uh, Jim Cook was the guy, right, that mm -hmm. kind of kicked it off. So oh, yeah. excited to le learn more about what you guys are talking about. But so let's start with you. And, you know, you're coming out of Michigan. I've got some history with August uh, Kitchen. A friend of mine ran the concept for a short amount of time. The quality of products, incredible. I mean, it's a short menu. It's not like a huge menu, but right. you got to bring a quality product to an area up here where we don't have a lot of that uh, on the dining thing. So who are the kind of restaurateurs that you look at to be become a part of this ghost kitchen concept? We're, it's, uh, I'll start by saying it's more of a host kitchen where there's a restaurant that they have the four walls, they have the equipment, they have the team members and, and how to increase the revenue uh, without increasing any complexity. And so we're looking for well-run restaurants, you know, people looking to boost their revenue, uh, leverage their talent, people that have great uh, produce and great, uh, great talent. Uh, it isn't really about just finding you know, those operators that are just looking to make money. It's looking for people how, who are really recognize the opportunity that Ghost Host Kitchens represent. And so much about Ghost Kitchens is there's so many 
guests and consumers now that never interact with the restaurant. They're interacting with their phone and an app, and there's no need to invest in ambiance and even front of the house staff. And, you know, how do you get through that noise of the consumer that's just scrolling on their phone? How do you stand out on, on an app when you're competing with so many other concepts in the app world? Great question. And it really is why I think Olga's Kitchen is uniquely positioned in the marketplace. Mediterranean food is definitely on the rise, definitely on the, on, uh, uh, you know, trending in the right direction, their perceptions of health halo. Uh, we are a 50-year-old brand, and we actually have a national footprint uh, with 70 restaurants across the U.S. And so there's some pent-up love for, for uh, who we are. Uh, I like to tap into that, uh, that nostalgia, you know, for who we are as well. And so I think it is the fact that we're really well-known. We have a core base of a couple of signature products. Snackers, uh, which is, uh, you know, I don't necessarily just call it fried bread because so much more than that. It is uh, Olga's has the best bread on the planet. And so uh, uh, dice that up, toss that in our sack, snacker seasoning, Swiss almond and serve it with Swiss almond cheese. That's core to who we are. The original Olga is, is a gyro. And so it's not a sandwich, it's an Olga. The best bread on the planet, our beef and lamb season. So it really is about having the product to back up and to cut through the noise. Uh, because we have 50 years of, of, of love. Uh, and, and you mentioned, how do we cut through? You know, it really is by leaning into our heritage of, of 50 years as a reason to believe. Uh, we, we also know that heritage alone isn't enough. And so we back it up with the product. Yeah, I think you had me at fried bread. <laughs> Amen, uh, brother. So <laughs> not like now, now, John, now we do our grocery shopping on an app. We, but we're buying dinner on an app. We're buying everything on an app. We're running out of stuff to do, so breweries kind of at an all-time <laughs> uh, destination for people looking for something to do on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday night is, hey, let's go hang out at a brewery, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely, uh, yeah, and like you know, and I think thinking about COVID and you know during the pandemic as a company, uh, we really pivoted big time to draw, get our customers to be coming to our brewery during that time. Uh, we really kind of uh, set the pace on curbside pickup and really change that uh, model, I guess, in terms of what breweries were doing at the time. Uh, and it really steered our business in the right way. Uh, and it created a, a lot of long-lasting customers that probably were made, <laughs> that visit now and then were made back then. Um, we keep food trucks going at the brewery. We throw concerts. We throw... Uh, do-it-yourself, like maker mark markets, um, all sorts of stuff. Yoga in the tap room. Uh, I think we're we're looking at bringing a mobile barber uh, to to come cut hair. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're throwing a car show, which uh, I think that one's pretty like uh, universal. I think a lot of other breweries are really into that kind of stuff as well. Um, you know, we do anything and everything to get our name out there. I mean, we have. Two beer gardens happening this summer. Uh, we're opening a new tap room in Brighton. Nice. Uh, we're, you know, constantly trying to elevate our uh, our events and what we're doing on a weekly basis to drive our business, uh, to drive people to our tap room. And you know, and then also with that on my side of things, you know, being the director of sales, like it's really important for us to be working with our our um, our restaurant partners and bar partners to you know, help maximize how many people we can get out to their places as well. So. I mean, 
This is just the greatest interview ever. I mean, we've got fried bread and we've got yoga in the tap room. I'm thinking about a, like a Lululemon pale ale or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's our speed really, but uh, maybe studded jacket. Uh, yeah, we're, we're more about the metal, uh, metal and... Uh, yeah. But back to the, you know, you, you, yeah. you have the brewery, but you guys are fighting for space on the beer tap. And there's never, probably one of the most competitive spaces out there right now is trying to get your uh, your label on a beer tap, but you're doing something right because you're at the Beachcomber. That's right. And that's if, you, right. if you get a tap at the Beachcomber... Long-time listeners and... will know that Kerry loves the Beachcomber. <laughs> I think he weaves it into every episode. I have to. So. <laughs> I have to. I mean, what a, I mean, that's an institution of Massachusetts, right? Like, Beachcomber is... Uh, and I, I, I've known um, Dan Murray over there for quite, a, quite some time. I started in the beer industry on Cape Cod. Um, and you know, he's always been a big supporter of craft beer, uh, when possible. And you know, that's, that's always great. But yeah, the, the, com the competition on tap is fierce. Uh, you know, and it's not just from big, big beer companies. It's from, you know, our, our partners and our, yeah. our, our friends in this business as well. Uh, you know, it, nothing better than knocking down your friend's tap handle. Uh, <laughs> and, and even you know? the evolution of the brewery industry in Massachusetts over the last 10 to 15 years. You know, they used to be kind of a destination brewery every 30 miles, 35 miles. Now it's almost as a brewery in every zip code. You know, how do you creatively market yourself to to stand out in that brewery competition? Yeah, I, you know, and that, this is something that we're really talking about a lot internally. Like, our, our, the owner, Ryan Lavery, uh, he has everything to do with our marketing, everything to do with the, uh, the speed at which we're, we're moving. Uh, and his creativity has really helped push this brand further than uh, probably he could even <laughs> imagine it to be. Um, and, you know, it's like the creativity that you have to take uh, in this space is very different um, because you you're, you, know, you have to lean into your passions and you have to lean into your personalities. And I think that's what really drives customers back to you every time. When you, they see an authentic version um, at, at, of someone's self uh, within the company, I think that really speaks to, uh, to people's just uh, motivations and loyalties towards brands. If they can recognize something within themselves that matches that. You know, it, you guys have the same challenge. I was going to say, you know, it, yeah. I could very much appreciate uh, the, the journey that you're on, you know, uh, fostering that individual local relationship. We're very much a Michigan-based brand. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we started in a, uh, uh, you know, a 10 by 10 slot in, in a market. <clears throat> and then uh, fast forward X amount of years, and, and we have all these sites, but we have this individual relationship that we're now looking to get credibility outside of our, our immediate uh, 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 locations and, and proximity and so could definitely appreciate the the, the challenge that you're facing because that's what as we bring all this kitchen beyond the borders of michigan how do we get that name out there and, it, and it's, it's about putting the love into the product creating those people that will you know proselytize on your behalf and uh you know uh, market something like an original snacker uh, which which uh which we're uh, popping in uh, oh look at willie popping in hey here guys. with some food Ooh. my celebrity oh, debut smells nice <laughs> And, and, and the tactics we're taking is to, uh, you know, if you haven't had us, we're, we're trying to get these for free, uh, you know, on, on, on the carousels with DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, you know, free snackers so that once we get people to try it, they get very excited about it. 
Uh, and then we create the advocates, and then uh, so it, it is definitely about creating that trial, delivering on it, and then uh, you know do it tomorrow. <laughs> so so our, our population since the pandemic has been flipped on its head, and the, and the noise out there. What do I do next? Noise out there is just you know crazy. Now, what, what do I do next for my my beer tap? What do I do next to drive revenue? streams. And I know we talked a little bit about this already, about how do you distinguish, distinguish yourself. But if I'm a restaurateur, and you described, described a good part of our population, they execute at a real high level, mm -hmm. right? But they're in their stream, man. they're in their swim lane, and they don't like to get out of their swim lane. So what are the things that you tell them to help them get out of their swim lane to, to both you guys to help drive revenue while your product would make it, you know, an easy thing for them to do? Well, it's, it's looking at your capacity. You know, how uh, no restaurant is going to sacrifice their core brand for the sake of driving additional sales through a secondary brand. You know, uh, it's just not smart operations. Uh, and so looking at your own capacity, recognizing uh, the downtime of your team members, recognizing the uh, uh, th throughput opportunities on your line, recognizing how much of your off-premise sales have you lost since COVID has uh, uh, not initially moved on, but, you know, it looks very different today. You know, so what's your capacity to make sure that you can protect your core brand and finding the right partner to introduce uh, as, as a host kitchen. We worked really hard to uh, get our bread, which in our restaurants, it's uh, we proof it, uh, we bring in dough, and, and, and we, we cook it uh, fresh in all of our restaurants every day. We've worked with our vendor to make sure that that same quality bread is now par-baked and, and it comes through the back door. So it really is about, we've done the work to fortify what uh, Olga's represents, those core products. We used to, you know, slice our meat from, from the spit and now, now, now it arrives through the back door. Same recipe, same quality, uh, just prepared. And so how do you take that, find those right partners that I could slipstream into my operations and make sure that I deliver the quality of my brand and then... Uh, my ask is that you then deliver, deliver the quality of our brand. And you think about mm. restaurants right now, they're paying rent, you know, 24-7. Uh, there's only 21 meal periods a day. If you're doing a breakfast and a lunch and a lunch and a dinner, there's a lot of idle time that that kitchen is sitting there. Uh, you know, lunch businesses comes in and out. There's, different, there's a lot of opportunity in a kitchen, in a restaurant, where it's not being utilized to that core brand, and it, it's a great opportunity. Absolutely. You, you, ha you have the people on the line. You're paying the electricity anyway. You're paying your rent in that space. And so how do you maximize the benefit? And, and uh, you know, uh, without, without capital expenditure of additional, additional equipment. And so it's possible to run, a, you know, a taco concept, a seafood concept, and Olga's Kitchen all out of the same kitchen and make sure that you're hitting the quality marks on all fronts. So what's the sales pitch? What's the numbers? I mean, if you did that, I mean, what's your potential for earnings? Uh, with the you know, uh, it's going to depend upon, uh, upon the market, uh, upon the, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, pull for Olga's Kitchen, you know, uh, okay. for pe people that know who we are. And so our, our Toledo restaurant, you know, is, is running gangbusters. Uh, we just launched a restaurant in, in West Virginia. And so that's, that's a bit, little bit more of a slow build. Uh, we don't necessarily have uh, credibility in, in, in the West, West Virginia market. And so we're working with the, the operator, we're working with our agency as a partner to find those influencers, to uh, get the message out there, to use our voice, which is on Facebook, you know, uh, 65,000 uh, uh, followers or through our loyalty program, 200,000, and just really be a partner to make sure that we're getting that message out. 
because your success is depend our success is dependent upon your your success. That's We've launched two restaurants in Boston as well. That slow build down down south isn't isn't a big deal. They're still they're still trying to figure out Dunkin' Donuts down there. So <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I think they'll get there though. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John, uh, I see a lot of talk about beer floats. Oh, talk yes. Talk a beer float. Yeah. So uh, you know. Um, uh, Barrymore and Gracie's came to us and uh, was looking to partner up on on doing a beer flow. And you know we didn't really don't really have stouts out right now. And um, but I thought I saw it as a great opportunity to do something very different uh, with with a with a food pairing. Um, and we have we have a great sour program. Um, not your uh, traditional sours, more kettle sours that are heavily fruited. Uh, and we, you know, we figure out how to make them taste what we want them to taste like, obviously. Uh, so one of the ones that we're using in this pairing at Barmore is uh, our Hydra Ender Margarita Style Sour uh, with raspberry and lime. Uh, and I, forgive me, I can't remember the ice cream that they're pairing it with, but uh, I just saw that as, and it has lactose in it, in the beer. So it's a great way to pair up similar ingredients and, uh, you know, uh, uh, good pair, pairing fruit flavors as well with the ice cream. It's the natural evolution. I mean, we have alcoholic milkshakes that have been around for a while. Now we get into beer floats. Yep. It's, That's right. Yeah. You know, we, we're trying to combine all our vices into one. I and, think you uh, might be able to check all the boxes if you use bacon-flavored ice cream. Exactly. Oh, there you beer go. Bacon-flavored <laughs> ice cream. Yeah. I'd be down for that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do that with a little smoked lager, something like that, you know? There you go. So, Seltzers. I mean, I think. Yeah. So beer. There's a population out there that doesn't drink beer. Yeah. I live with one at home. Okay. Right? And, and if we go out, and I love to go to, I love to go to breweries, and mm -hmm. so there's a, has to be an option for her when she comes out. Oh, yeah. You guys doing seltzers? Uh, so that is something that we are currently working on. Uh, since we have our new tap room uh, brewery kitchen uh, in Brighton, uh, that will be the place where we get the seltzers figured out, and then uh, you know we'll. We'll do it in a bigger batch, keg a lot of it, yep. and uh, uh, have have a good stock. You know, uh, that is something that we're going to be offering very soon. Currently, at our tap room in in Braintree, we offer like liquid death. Uh, canned water uh, fits our brand. Uh, Widowmaker. I was gonna say liquid, liquid death, death. Widowmaker. Uh, uh, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so you know, we we try to offer you know non-alcoholic uh, beers. We offer the seltzers, sodas. Um, you know, eventually we'll have the seltzer and Grim uh, Reaper seltzer. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. <laughs> but but the, but to your point of the Mediterranean diet and, and 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 the beer, there's a health conscious group out there that that, that want that option. Whether it be mm -hmm. non-alcoholic, I mean, dry dry January and and yeah. I know the Mediterranean diet, people are you know thrive on it these days to keep themselves in shape and healthy and absolutely do. And while snackers being fried bread may not be at the top of that <laughs> list, uh, it, it really is about the quality of the ingredients and, uh, and, and and fitting into that lifestyle and, and finding those different ways of, of meeting the need. You know, uh, we have uh, the old, the Olga salad, uh, whole host of, uh, we have vegetarian options. And so it, it depends on what the consumer is looking for or what the guest is looking for. And uh, I, I mentioned earlier how we, restaurants may not have the, the greatest rotation of certain products. And so as part of our plan, uh, this pivots a, a little bit from health conscious to more uh, menu composition itself. 
But if a an operator is looking to increase the velocity, you know, you know what, uh, we're, we're uh, our guacamole isn't fresh enough. So we work with the operators to create menu items to cross-utilize ingredients that they want to increase the rotation of, in order to decrease waste, guarantee quality, uh, uh, increase uh, volume of certain products. Uh, we have snacker wings on our menu. Uh, a restaurant was saying, you know, hey, I, I want to sell more wings. You know, a great price point. Uh, very appropriate. So we're tossing wings in our snacker seasoning as well. And awesome. so I think we need to try it. I think we need to try Let's something and, and, and really get into things here. I see it comes with a, a special Ooh. sauce here. Uh, that is Swiss almond cheese. All right. Truly decadent, uh, very rich, uh, very flavorful. I think somebody's going to crack a beer, too. I mean, we can't be sitting here yeah. looking at this beer all <laughs> this day. Well, if you want to pass me one of those blue comments, I can pour us all some. And uh, as, as Dan is talking about his, uh, his signature product, uh, Blue Comet is our signature product. Uh, it's a 7.1% New England IPA using Comet, Citra, and Simcoe hops, providing like a really nice, ripe, tropical aroma and flavor. We use oats and Pilsner malt, oats to get that nice, soft mouthfeel. And no better sound than... That's a good that sound right, right there. there. There we go. That's a good sound. <laughs> Maddie, Lily, would you, JP, would you care for a try? Snacker. Here you go. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Should I, you need should I sip into the microphone? You can <laughs> sip into the microphone. And you should try, try this, this, this fried bread is awesome. Mm. Which one are you? This isn't, this isn't the sour that's in the float, is it? It is not. This is our New England IPA, oh. Blue Comet. Uh, this, this is what the dog toy is that you gave me. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and this beer, too, uh, in 2022, it won a... Um, it won the <laughs> Silver for Juicy Hazy IPA yeah. at the World Beer Cup. You're not drinking that. No, nope. there you go. <laughs> and so... Uh, no, These are the snackers. Uh, definitely go great with the, uh, the Blue Comet. Uh, Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's the, the best bread on the planet, uh, and it's tossed in our signature snacker seasoning, which is uh, uh, a lot of Parmesan, uh, uh, zesty, a little bit uh, a little bit cheesy, and served with Swiss almond cheese, which makes for some... These guys need to go to the ghost kitchen right at the brewery. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Imagine pushing these things out with a beer. It would be mm -hmm. awesome. And these travel really well, too, right? You know, one of the challenges with ghost kitchens is, and even in to-go and delivery is, what food travels well and what food doesn't. Correct. These seem to travel really mm -hmm. well. They hold the consistency. They hold the quality. Uh, hold the temperature. Yeah, wow, that's, uh, that's good. You like that? Really good. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is, I, to me, um, you know, I, I've only been working for Widowmaker for about a year now. I've uh, mm -hmm. been a big fan ever since they opened their doors. I was working for another brewery at the time. I uh, stayed friends with them, uh, and, you know, over time, and uh, when I was in the soda non-alcoholic space, uh, it got really boring. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, but, um, you know, these guys had a place for me uh, at, at another, um, at a point last year, and, you know, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have it any other way at this point. I, I love their beer, and I think Blue Comet's, uh, you know, kind of like the gold standard uh, across Massachusetts for available New England IPA um, in a space where, you know, rare, hard to find, have to go to the brewery to get it uh, is the common. Um, so being able to get top-notch New England IPA out on a shelf any day of the week is pretty crucial, uh, especially in New England where 
we have an appetite for beer, uh, unlike <laughs> a lot of other places. So I think we're supposed to have a tasting. I can't stop eating nor uh, <laughs> drinking. This is uh, definitely the uh, the best live podcast we've done with um, with, with with food options. Well, if um, so, you if, go ahead, Karen. So you guys face the same. Excuse me. I'm, oh, podcast with food and booze in your mouth <laughs> goes right down the right down the tube. So you not unlike everybody else, commodity the commodities hit the brewers is just as hard as anybody else. Hops is almost impossible possible to get. Yeah. Does that flip over now and you guys have better access to the commodity? Um yeah, I think uh I mean for like for us, take Blue Comet for instance. Comet is one of the hops. We we have a uh contract with Crosby hops. Uh and the Comet hops are state grown. So we get, you know, a certain section of that lot, yeah. and that's given to us for X number of years. And so we can rely on the consistency of that hop for that long, uh, which is really good because it provides us the opportunity to create our highest quality product that we can. That we can. And so, like, that, that stuff is very important. Um, I think a couple of years ago, it definitely, I think when we were seeing a massive exp- like expansion of, of breweries, but I think we we did have a little bit of a contraction after after COVID, um, and uh, you know I think that probably contributed to yeah. hops being yeah. a little more available. Also, you, know, you got to take into account uh, you know weather conditions, uh, you know climate change, all that stuff, because you know uh, I think there was Galaxy hops that were just a terrible crop in like 2018, and it you know you could taste it throughout beers throughout New England. Yeah. Um, where it was definitely affected by like wildfires in California, stuff like that. Well, you've, you've talked about being a you know a Michigan concept coming into Massachusetts. How how is that going? How is is there a different mindset of the Massachusetts consumer? You know, how do you tap into that? What what, what how do the different regionalities impact how you try to market your product and, and make that work? Well, it's. Uh... In, in Michigan, being a 50-year-old brand that w- was started by a woman, owned by her family, and, and, and the family's st- still part of the conversation, but there, there's this nostalgia to it. And uh, there's a resistance to change, you know, uh, with, with a core customer. We don't have that baggage as we're coming into, into Massachusetts. Uh, we get to be who we want to be. We get to uh, refresh the creative, refresh the brand, refresh the menu uh, with uh, more contemporary flavors, uh, and uh, market us in a way that feels more youthful and more vital. You know, uh, host kitchens are primarily uh, delivered through third parties, you know, Uber Eats, Grubhub, uh, DoorDash. And so the, the consumer by nature is going to be younger, more comfortable with technology. And so uh, it feels quite freeing, actually, to come, come into Massachusetts and talk about the brand in, in a way that is, uh, you know, more... Uh, more relevant to how people live and, and eat today and drink today and, and make sure that uh, uh, the menu reflects the, the taste flavor profile, uh, the taste that they, the younger demographic is looking for. I think a, we're a facial relationship-driven entity. You know, restaurateurs are Hospitality. like relationships. And mm-hmm. I, I give you this credit in, in the fact that uh, all of the ghost kitchens that have been out there that we've seen and come across our desk are usually an email. 
you know, mm-hmm. or, or they're a web page or something like that. And I think she, for you guys, for your benefit, you being here on the boots on the ground and having these conversations with people to talk about the history and the legacy of uh, algas and the quality of product and stuff like that, not unlike the relationships that you've got with your folks out there is critical, especially in the, in the host kitchen uh, arena, I think. That's yeah, there's emotional resonance to what we do, you know, and, and we, we create a relationship with our operators. They have a relationship with the customer. And while it may not... Uh, you know, have a face for that hospitality human touch point on on an app. It's being made by by our our friends, our families, our, our you know uh, our neighbors, and so so it's still very much part of the community. Even if we don't get to manifest it in a way uh, with you know touching a table tent or or touching that glass, we're also being invited into their homes. You know, how much more intimate can you get than that? I love that. I, I love what you just said about the changing yourself to, you know, have a new start, making sure your quality is really good no matter what, connecting with the market, whether it's because it, they're all different. Um, like in, with us, with Widowmaker and a lot of craft breweries, I mean, we do two new releases a week. Wow. So two beers every single week. That's new artwork, new recipe. Um, that's probably a new customer. Um, you know, like every week we are challenging ourselves to how do we bring more people in? How do we make more money for Widowmaker? Awesome. That connection is important. Mm-hmm. What are you guys, are you ready for the hot and heavy Sprague Energy lightning round coming at you? Five questions coming at you real quick. Oh, okay. All right. All you right. ready for this? We're going to be a good, gonna, a good one for Dan because he's from out of state. Ding dong back and forth. Well, we changed. JP has actually changed up the what? Sprague Energy Lightning questions. We we needed a, a new look, new new look, new questions. Actually, they came from Lily. Lily. Lily right. is our social media influencer. She's changed up the questions. New new setup, new questions. Bob loves just his spine okay. just tightened exactly. up. Exactly. We have uh, we might we might sprinkle in some old ones there too. We go. They can't tell us what to do. <laughs> All right. It's your last meal ever on Earth. What's it gonna be? I I know mine. I know mine. Gourmet Dumpling House in Chinatown, Szechuan fish uh, with a side of udon noodles and uh, soup, uh, pork soup dumplings on the side. Have you had that ready to go? Have I, you been asked that before, like this morning? No, I know. <laughs> Hyper specific. It is wild. It is one of the best meals, in my opinion. Uh, I'm definitely going to go for some, some Thai food. Uh, you know, Pad uh, Ki Mao, uh, preferably uh, with a spring roll and, and, uh, a, a Thai iced tea. Hmm. What's your ideal vacation spot? I, I, you know, I'm lucky enough to live uh, in. I haven't told anyone this. I'm actually. I, I live in New York, and and uh, and so I'm lucky enough to live near Fire Island, which is this little barrier island off the coast sure. of Long yeah. Island. No cars. Yep. No CVSs. No Starbucks. No no ghost kitchens. Unfortunately, not uh, yet. But not yet. Pl- plenty of beer, and, and so I'll, I'll look for some some. Uh, Widowmaker when I'm there in, there we in a couple go. of weeks. Yeah. Well, uh, as a side note, I had cousins who, my wife had cousins who ran a restaurant on Fire Island just like 10 years ago. Nice. Um, but <laughs> three degrees of yeah, separation. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but ideal vacation, uh, I guess uh, I don't go on vacations. I, I work too much. Uh, but I, I would a say. A brewery tour? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, I would say uh, the last like really great vacation I went on uh, outside of like going Hawaii for a wedding uh, was probably going out to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, the, the land out there, the, the the everything out there is really really nice. The food is always fresh. All your produce is like way fresher than 
some of the produce you get out here even. Yeah. <laughs> They grow, they grow good weed out there, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Would, <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Who has inspired you the most? <laughs> ah, man. Ah. I don't have to punt that over to Dan for a second. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's who, a philosophical question. We've really evolved from, do you like Seinfeld, The Office? Exactly. Or, <laughs> I, I was a modern family. Way too heady for us. <laughs> I was expecting to be asked my favorite Taylor Swift song. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's clearly Shake It Off. <laughs> <laughs> the only one you can bring to mind. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, gosh, you know, uh, who's inspired me the most? You, you know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to opt for my grandfather. Okay. You know, uh, cool. you know uh, he started an uh, uh, Irish immigrant, uh, uh, you know, migrated over, uh, met his wife here, worked at Gimbel's uh, with, as a, uh, a security guard for about 50 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, his humble roots, the way he provided for his family, uh, is, is amazing to me. I started my career, uh, as a waiter at TGI Fridays and I left that company as vice president of marketing and development. And so it really is, I think that that willingness to show up every day, do the work. And, uh, that's something I've carried throughout my entire career. Great story. Great answer. Yep. Uh, you know, I thinking about it, I think I had to say my wife. Uh, also a good answer. Uh, you know, a smart answer. You know, you you get in that relationship. You you know you set goals together, and you know, and then all of a sudden you start achieving those goals, and you have a kid, and that forces you to you know reevaluate, make sure that you're you're continuing to grow and become a better person for that person, for that little person, and uh, and for for her as well. Uh, so I would say. By, by and far, my wife and my family. Awesome. So, favorite way to relax: sun and a book. You know, and and, and so my mention earlier of Fire Island is it really is just a, a you know when there's nothing else to do and I'm forced to slow down, uh, sit outside, wind wind blowing. You know, simplicity of nature. Uh, have a book get lost, and it just quiets all the outside voices and and helps me reconnect with recenter yep. and uh yeah absolutely a little more uh i'd say probably a beer and a joint uh <laughs> sitting outside exactly. uh, these are great answers all the way around <laughs> uh, yep perfect yeah, answer right that's it <laughs> what is your go-to type of cuisine we know your last meal what's your go-to cuisine you know, it's become Mediterranean, uh, you know, uh, largely as a result of, uh, I've been with Olga's Kitchen, working with them now for a couple of years, and, and I always enjoyed Mediterranean food, but now that I, um, I'm living it, uh, I'm, I'm curious about it, and, and, and I seek it out and, and try to find uh, new flavors, new seasonings, push the limits of it, uh, uh, start moving into maybe some Middle Eastern uh, or some Eastern European flavors. Uh, so it, it's really feeding into the curiosity of, uh, I, I have about uh, a lifelong you know, career in, in food and beverage, and uh, the curiosity is still there. Uh, you know, I, I live in Plymouth. I've been living in the South Shore for a long time. Of uh, Massachusetts, and uh, I'd have to say South Shore Bar Pizza is yeah. the go-to. We did an episode dedicated to we Bar did, Pizza. Yeah, we, right. had, we had uh, Bardo's Pizza on a few, nice. a few months ago. They make some good some good pizza, and they make they they pair it with beer too, right? And they put in the oh, beer yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And yeah. Uh, we actually at Widowmaker we make a beer called uh, Laced and Crispy, 
uh, as a reference to lacing the crust of the pizza and as a reference to a pilsner being crispy and you had that late nice lacing of foam on the glass and uh, we call it South Shore Lager Beer. Very cool. Uh, and the label has a nice South Shore Bar Pizza right on the label. Nice, nice. <laughs> We'll get you out on the last question. Again, we're getting a little philosophical with our new uh, Sprague Energy Lightning Round questions. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be? I mean, I think I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a really uh, uh, not original answer and just say Anthony Bourdain. I mean, just the, whether it's the, like, minutia of understanding the restaurant industry or if it's just, you know, Knowing how to enjoy a good meal, I think that you could have picked his brain in many different ways and, you know, had a good time no, no matter what. Some of those shows where he was out in a place where he's never tried the food before or the alcohol and stuff like that, and he went off the deep end with it, mm -hmm. were just killer. Oh, great, amazing. Great, great yeah. shows. Going back to the curiosity, that I mean, he that's just how he lived his life. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and definitely. So, so definitely appreciate that. Uh, I'd probably, and, you know, it'll sound a, a little, you know, self-serving perhaps, but Olga Lausanne is the founder of our brand, and I, I've never met her. And I work with people who, uh, you know, know her legacy, and, and there's this love for her locally that that's, uh, you know, gosh, I, I hope people talk about me with any degree, any percentage of the reverence with which uh, they, they speak to her. So I'd love to know more about her experience, uh, you know, Raising a daughter, seeing Olga, you know, getting one of the first uh, uh, loans, you know, to, to open a business in the state of Michigan for a woman. So I'd love to know what her challenges were growing up uh, so that I could, you know, uh, maybe become, uh, not necessarily become a, a better father, better understand the brand, and but then uh, maybe become a better human being. Dan Dillon, Olga's Kitchen, John Patton, Widowmaker. Thank you guys very much for coming in today. This has been a great episode. Great episode. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank guys. you. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's eat and drink. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Steve, with marketing being one of the Achilles heels for restaurateurs, who's our go-to for marketing, public relations, and social media? That's going to be our great friends at IUC, Image Unlimited Communications. Maddie, where can we find you? Uh, you can find us on socials at IUC Boston. Or also on web, IUCBoston.com. Thanks, Lily. Yeah. IUC. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Follow us.